0: if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I wanna slow things way down for a totally different experience, When I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals, and when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Omic from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience so a softer quieter toy is incredibly appreciated i make sure to take deep breaths as i let the pleasure and sensation build breathing it throughout my body and when the time is just right i pick up the speed of the rotation and i ride a full body wave of ecstasy this is one of many acts of devotion i choose to regularly deliver to myself and it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high quality, beginner friendly, super cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Omic oh from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Chick, a Soulfire production.
1: Hello, That Sex Chick podcast listeners. Bryn here, AKA Brinsky. And some of you may know me as Alexa's head coach also the operations manager here at sex and love co I've been a guest on this show several times and I also did a takeover last week where I interviewed my ex-husband and I'm taking over again today on the show I have another member from our sex and love co team to share with you her name is Jamie Wilkinson and aside from being one of my very best friends on this planet she is a rock star women's coach She helps women reclaim their sexuality, find confidence in their body and play with their edges. And this episode definitely plays with edges because we dive deep into her marriage or more specifically her infidelity, how she got clear on her desires and how she also got back into integrity with herself and her sex life. She shares a lot about her own journey back to her body through things like pole dancing, what it's like navigating dating apps, getting into kink, and so much more. I also want to mention, I recorded this podcast while on the road traveling, actually while visiting Jamie, and I just had a chance to listen to the audio. And just going to be a little honest with y'all, my microphone sounds a little funny. Um, Kind of sounds like someone is pinching my nose or like I'm underwater. But here's the thing done is better than not done. We are not about to be perfectionists here. And this episode is just too damn good to not put out. So I hope you enjoy a good laugh when you hear my microphone and that you still choose to listen to the show with an open heart. So thank you for being a part of my takeover, Jamie. And I hope the rest of you enjoyed the show. Hello, everyone. And welcome to today's show. I am Bryn one of your hosts for That Sex Chick. And I'm so honored today to be interviewing one of my best friends, sister, wife, team member for Sex and Love Co. and just an amazing human being, Jamie Wilkinson. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited. Yay. (laughs) So Jamie is an embodiment, sensuality, and spirituality coach. And she helps women reclaim their sensuality find confidence in their body, and help them play with their edges. Mm. So yummy. So yummy. <laughs> Such a juicy little bio. And today we're going to be talking about everything from Jamie's past, how she was married and followed this, you know, standard American dream, very similar actually to my story where things went wrong for her. And then her coming back to her body, reclaiming her sexuality, what dating life has looked like for her now. And I'm sure lots of funny, fucked up, <laughs> crazy, kinky stories, too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, we got two best friends talking about sex. Uh, on the podcast. Oh, what could go wrong. Nothing. Nothing. Yes. So let's get into it. Okay. okay. So I'd love to start with a little bit of background. Well, first, if you want to elaborate any more on your, your bio and just who you are, and then I'd love to start with your history specifically taking us back to your marriage because I believe your marriage and the way that it ended and on the other side of it is really how you got into this work. Mm -hmm. When I say this work, sex, love, embodiment. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love to start there. Uh, Awesome, that's perfect. I think you really
2: hit everything in the bio and I'm sure more of it will be elaborated on as I go through my story. And absolutely, like this journey for me Puzzle pieces keep getting put together. And this has been a huge puzzle piece of like reclaiming my sexuality and my sensuality and where I lost that along the way. Yeah. And it's been a huge piece of my personal development too. Absolutely. It's a huge piece that I think a lot of people are missing. Yes. Yeah.
1: Self included, right? Like this was my journey back to my own body. It started with my divorce. Mm-hmm. So take me back to said you lost this along the way. Mm -hmm. I'd love to just get a deeper look at behind the scenes, what married life looked like for you and what happened, like how you lost your spark. And then maybe some things that you did to start finding it before you left your marriage. Sure.
2: It was a lifetime ago. Yeah. I mean, I met my ex-husband in college when I was 22. We were married at 25 and you know took all of those steps that we're taught to take that make us that will make us happy in life and i did all of that you know i i graduated like an a student i went to college found a good man got married and like had all the things on paper and i just felt like i was in a cage i was in a cage and i didn't know how to get out i was i had a lot of like really dark turns and dark moments i i even remember Um, when we got engaged and of course we loved each other. Like I loved him. I, of what I knew love was in that moment and at that time. And he, you know, we talked about getting married and we picked out the ring and he proposed. And from even an early age, I've always been very connected to my intuition and have largely ignored it. It's not something we learn how to to trust and to cultivate. And I remember him asking me to marry him, and part of me was so excited and the other part was like, I don't really want to marry this person. But like he's asking me and he loves me. And so of course I'm going to say yes. And I think in the back of my mind or just like even the knowing in my body was like he's not really your person. But he's he loves you and this is what you get. Like this is what you get basically. Mm. So, I learned to settle from a very young age. Yeah. Like even my boyfriend's in high school. So, we get married, we do the thing. And you know, he he was a safe good person. And also very different than like my normal type. Like you know my t- <laughs> I'm a very I'm a very specific type. She likes tatted thick boys. I do. Yes. Big beefy tatted bearded men. I've met all of my boyfriends or par- ex-partners or whatever like in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. like my high school boyfriends, my boyfriends after and then other men that I've dated and had experiences with that I'll get into, they have all been an iteration of my father. Um some sort of addiction alcohol like some sort of addiction drinking something completely emotionally unavailable that chaotic energy of like are they gonna leave me they're here now when so when are they gonna leave me are they gonna leave me that like nervous system like 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 there's excitement in it but also fucking major fear so like they they all really amplified my abandonment wound and my abandonment issues. And I didn't even know what that was until like three or four years ago. Sure. But I know how it has felt. And so they've all like really triggered that. And again, just been like my dad in different bodies with different names and different faces. Um, And they all brought like a a passion and an excitement. Like that, a drug a drug like let's it, it they were all my drugs like I was addicted to that feeling that I was that I felt when I was with them and that like withdrawal when I was not with them um and my husband my ex-husband was not like that at all he was a safe choice and he's a good guy but like so boring Uh <laughs> so boring Um, But like everything was good on paper, you know, I knew that he would never leave me. I knew that he would never cheat on me. I never questioned his loyalty or his commitment to me. I mean, I essentially walked all over this poor man. I he was extremely passive, extremely submissive. He did whatever the fuck I said. (laughs) Like, talk about the quintessential, like, who wears the pants in the relationship? Like, it was me. Um and and then, like that can go into a whole nother conversation about the masculine feminine polarity and dynamics in a, in in my marriage, and how it was so out of balance, but like I held on to that unhealthy masculine presence because I felt unsafe and I didn't trust, so I had to have some sense of control, which is a false sense of control, but you know, I did everything, I took care of everything in the marriage. Um I planned things, I led things, I initiated. Um and he was just kind of like there. You know? He went to work every day, came home, walked the dogs, watched TV and cooked dinner and went to the gym. <laughs> and like it was great and like I just desire and crave and want so much more in a life. Um and felt this like too muchness all the time and he would like straight up say like you're too loud stop doing that stop saying that you can't tell those kind of jokes or like you like it would sing around the house and he would be like be quiet and i felt i never felt that i was truly supported in that relationship um i didn't feel truly like seen or heard and he came from a very traditional family raised in a very small town. You get married when you're 20 and you start popping out babies. Yeah. And I was literally the fucking opposite of everything that his family stood for. And I stuck out like a sore <laughs> thumb. I mean, I stick out like a sore thumb in my own family. And I'm from Boston, like I'm from a city. Mm-hmm. Um. So imagine like bringing me to this this small like cow town in the Midwest at, like his family was like horrified what the They literally he didn't even know what to do with me. Sure. Um and in some sense, like I didn't even know what to do with yeah. me because I hadn't come into my own yet. I was still trying to figure out who I was. Yeah. So, like, how do you expect two young kids in love to like navigate a life when you don't even like we don't even know who we are? We don't know what we want, we don't know what our values are, we don't know what we desire. And i felt like i kept growing and that was my desire to do and he wanted no part of it like none um so i went through a major like even very early on in the marriage like went through some major periods of darkness like what did those look like oh okay <laughs> we're going there <laughs> we're going there it's a show that we talk about sex so yeah. darkness is definitely on the table yeah and i have i know like you know we talk every day and i've shared some things with you like i have stories and things that, of a of a woman that is unrecognizable to me today of i basically lived a, a double life mm. and like i share these things now with no shame no guilt or anything and like i will like, if I share something with someone that, someone that knows who I am today, they're like, are you fucking kid, fuck? like, literally, what the fuck? Yeah. Who are you? Sure. Or who were you? Um, yeah. So one of, so there were times in my marriage where... I had spoken into things that I wanted to try to experience, to explore, whether it be sexually or otherwise. Like what? But like, oh, what some of those s- like speaking into it sexually. Like, I remember going to him and wanting to experience a threesome. Like, I would love to invite another woman to play with and experience that with you and was shut down
1: immediately. Like at the time of your marriage because i know now you identify as bisexual but is that something that you would say that your partner was aware of or that you attracted that you were attracted to women absolutely not
2: yeah no fucking way mm. no so he shut it down right away shut it down you're my wife there's no fucking way we're doing that I'm
1: like but that no. that's how it's associated with wife you're my wife
2: like we don't do those mm. like that's shameful that's dirty that's so far outside of the realm of like what I can comprehend in my closed mind. Sure. You know, without sounding too judgy. So
1: threesomes, um, what else? What were some of the other desires you started to Yeah, threesomes or like just more edgy
2: sex, like experiencing more um kink and play into BDSM. Um You've I, been
1: kinky for as long as you
2: I uh, totally have been kinky for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um so yeah, it was shut down. And I was just left so unfulfilled and so unsatisfied and so fucking bored, like so bored. Um, And to- and I'll go I'll backtrack a little bit. But towards the end of my marriage and we were together for we were married for almost eight years. Okay. Towards the end of my marriage, I felt like a caged animal. And like if I didn't get out of this cage I was going to fucking die.
1: Yeah, you were slowly suffocating.
2: I literally was just like slowly dying.
1: You and your pussy. Me and my pussy, my <laughs> poor little pussy no. <laughs> <laughs> she just wanted to be taken. Uh, she just wanted to be loved and yes.
2: yeah, and devoured. thrown devoured and fucking thrown up against the wall like an like an animal. Right. I wanted to see that killer in him. I wanted right. to feel like that alpha dominant male. And he just met me with like, oh.
1: Yeah. And you talked a bit about polarity and how looking, you know, at the time, I imagine you had no idea that there was an imbalance or maybe you did, but you didn't know how to I- identify it right. This mm-hmm. imbalance of energies and you were really stepping into the masculine and he was more in the feminine um, or you were more in the dominant. He was in more of a submissive, but you said you were deeply desiring to be ravished, to mm-hmm. surrender, to go into the submissive role. And eventually that led you into making some decisions Mm. that allowed you to experience that. Mm -hmm. I'd love if you could touch on a bit of that.
2: Yeah. So the rational choice in my mind at that point, this, at that time in my life, this made sense to me. Mm -hmm. I look back on it and I'm like, you did some fucked up shit, Jamie. (laughs) At the time, I didn't give one single fuck. Yeah. So. I made the choice to step outside my marriage with two separate men over the course of years. Like this went on for, for probably, oh God, when I think about it, I think it was at least a five-year time span and we were married for almost eight years. So so over half your marriage. I was unfaithful for over half of my marriage. Mm. And thinking back to boyfriends before I was married, I was unfaithful to all of my boyfriends. It was a pattern.
1: Well, you said, you know, your father, you learned love was this unstable relationship. You learned love was fleeting. You learned it was chaotic. You Mm -hmm. learned that it was addictive. Mm -hmm. And so it's no wonder that you were subconsciously or consciously choosing to recreate those experiences in your nervous system. Mm -hmm. So- We're essentially just trying to reenact what you knew love to be.
2: A hundred percent. Absolutely. And I was also always looking for the next thing because I learned love was fleeting, that men were going to leave and they weren't going to stay. And I needed to know that I had somebody. I needed to know that I would not be alone.
1: Yeah. Um, And I bet so many women can relate to that, right? It's like you were, you just wanted love and safety. Yeah. And. The excitement and passion. And I think this is where we meet so many women's stories of, we talked about this in a previous episode where Alexa and I unpack Sex Life, the Netflix series. And we talk about, oh, such a great show. It's a shit show. It's great. Such a crazy show. But this question of, can you really have it all? Because we're sold that you can pick one. You can have safety and security, or you can have passionate wild sex, but you can't possibly have both. Mm And I know I was the same in my marriage where I didn't understand the work that it took to cultivate that with another person. And it sounds like in your case, you were also just with the wrong person. Too. For sure. So it totally. doesn't matter. I imagine how much you would have worked on that relationship, you probably would have had the same result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we, we tried to
2: towards the end. I'll go back and share a couple of juicy stories if you want to. <laughs> uh, Duh, duh, fucking duh. Fuck <laughs> us up with some juicy stories. So the first guy that I met that I had um, oh, they sound the word affair just sounds so gross to me, <laughs> but like I don't know what else to call it. Extra sex? We had dirty, fucking, kinky sex. Like we met at the gym. He was this big. He was a bodybuilder. He a was like boy. this thick alpha thick boy. <laughs> Ugh. Is this thick alpha tatted, um, guy? And we started seeing each other,
1: and he knew one hundred percent that I was married. And it sounds like he was everything that your husband wasn't. Absolutely. Which, when I strayed from my marriage, I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I chose a person who was the total fucking opposite. Total of my opposite. So total opposite. Swung to the other end of the spectrum.
2: complete other end of the spectrum, and we would have the dirty. Dirtiest- <laughs> delicious sex like he he fucking he was like a beast Mm. he was like a fucking beast and he would just like have his way with me and do whatever he wanted and I fucking let him and I loved it and I would so he lived in the city and I would I worked in the city so like I would go like during like around lunchtime I would meet him at, at his apartment and he would just like fuck me for hours. Like, like, I could not leave his apartment in the state that he left me. (laughs) Because I, like, my makeup was off. Like, my hair was tangled in knots. I looked like I had been fucked for four hours. Just like, just, it was the best. And it was so fun. And then, like, I would literally have to put myself back together before I could leave and, like, shower. And I just, like, my whole body just, like, smelled like him and smelled like sex. Mm. And that is, like, the most delicious. You know, you, like, walk into a room and you're like, someone just fucked in here. (laughs) Like, yeah.
1: I'm ovulating and everything you're saying right now is just making
2: me wet. I'm thinking, I'm like, I could really... Use, uh getting fucked like that right now right <laughs> um so we would have encounters like that and he would I mean he would fucking pull my hair really he would choke me he would yeah do, we would just do all sorts of like kinky we never like negotiated any sort of scene it wasn't like oh we're we're like in the dom and sub type of role I wasn't even like aware of that at this mm. point this was like 10 god this was like over 10 years ago uh we were very much in that energy dynamic. Mm. I did whatever he fucking told me. Mm. He would call me baby girl. He would like buy me things. And at some point transitioned into this, like um, he would like leave me money after we fought. Like he would leave a hundred dollar bills on the dresser and be like, that's for you, baby. Ugh. And I'm like, oh! <laughs> and then like, I would I would make sure every time, don't forget my money, dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I had so much shame around that for a really long time. I mean, shame around the entire experience. Sure. But that's specifically because I'm like, am I getting paid for sex right now? Am I a fucking prostitute? Mm-hmm. And part of that really turned me on.
1: Yeah. yeah we're touching some good stuff, which yeah. I know later you've gotten into, but this... Um... Really playing with the edges and yep. also the shadow sides, mm-hmm. the parts of us that God forbid, if somebody found out we would oh, just yeah. die and eroticizing them. Eroticizing the shit out of them. So you essentially were just tapping into kink yep. and not knowing
2: it. I didn't, I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea. I was tapping into a huge side of kink. And aside from that, like he would take me out to fancy dinner. So we would go into into Boston he would take me out to fancy dinners. Meanwhile, like my husband is either at home or at work. I, I didn't ca- I didn't care.
1: Was there a part of you that wanted to get caught?
2: Yes. hundred percent. That became more and more evident as time went on too. But I felt like this fucking queen, like we would get dressed up. He would take me to fancy restaurants. We would, there were times where he would like rent really fancy hotels for us. And it felt just like, luxurious and like opulent and I'm like being fucked by my man. And then there were other times where he would rent these like fucking roach motel. They were disgusting. I felt like so turned on by it. And also I need to take a shower because I don't know if they should (laughs) (laughs) But like we would fuck in these dirty, nasty, grimy where people would go and like fucking do meth, Mm. like hourly rate hotels. Mm -hmm. Like you go to fuck or do drugs and you leave Mm -hmm. and he would fuck me in them. And I felt like the dirtiest slut and I loved it. And also there were so many moments where I'm like, I'm doing this right now. And literally my husband is at home and has no fucking idea. And that turned me on so much.
1: You clearly enjoy taboo. Oh, absolutely. Clearly, Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, as that starts to come online, it can be really confusing for people Mm -hmm. that they're literally getting off on things that other people find to be
0: taboo, right? Or that
1: you yourself find to be taboo. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I imagine, yeah, that there was some shame and guilt that was coming up Mm -hmm. because you were starting to access this part of you that you had never really given yourself permission to explore. Never. And Now here you were loving, getting paid for sex, going to these dirty hotels, cheating on your husband. And it was awakening a part of you.
2: Oh, for sure. I felt alive in those moments. Like I have never felt in my entire life. Like I could feel like the hot blood coursing through my body in this mo in those moments. And like, my heart racing and my heart beating and sweating and like all the sensations that come into that too was like, I'm this person's wife. I get to go home and I have to be this persona of this like good wife that does all the right things, that says all the right things. And I'm like literally living a double life. And I kept that. I kept these secrets for years I don't even I didn't even start telling people these things until the past
1: like two or three years so when did you decide when when was essentially enough was enough and when did you start to transition out of that marriage because mm-hmm. i know we're now divorced mm-hmm. and you've started to create these things intentionally and consciously and with integrity yeah. and it's not to say that anything I, I hold no judgment over yeah. the decisions you made, you know, this, I know, yeah. um, and I just know that you're choosing to do things differently now. And so I'm curious about how that transitioned. And then I'd love to start getting into the journey of you reclaiming those parts mm-hmm. of you intentionally. Yeah. Right.
2: So that went on for years, led me to a second man outside of my marriage, who again was, the, was toxic in a way that it just, it felt so, that's what I know. If it doesn't feel like that, I like I don't even fuck with it. He I used to not. Used to not. Absolutely right. He was such a drug to me that nothing would have stopped me from being with this man and that was the point that I was like, I hope my fucking husband finds out because I'm not separating myself from this person. So eventually it just got, I mean, shit just started to hit the fan. Um, my husband, my then husband came on to like text messages, Facebook messages. And this was a man that I worked with. So I was seeing him every day. We were spending a lot of time together. I was outside of the house a lot. Um, he started to question and confront me and I fucking lied about everything. And I, deep down, he knew and just didn't want to admit it, you know? Mm-hmm. And we had, the, we actually had that conversation several years after we got divorced, after I started doing a lot of healing work, reached out to him to share with him my truth. Um, And so anyway, back to your question, Um, yeah, things just started to go even more south. And it was something that I could not, I couldn't hold anymore. And I wanted him to find out and he did. And again, I kept lying. He he we ended up separating. I moved out. Um, he followed me one night. This is like shit that you see in movies. Truly. He my when I say he, my then ex-husband followed me in his car because he knew where I was staying. Um, saw me with this other man you were separated we were technically yeah we were separate we were still married I was just living outside of the house um followed me saw me with this man walk into a. I ho- I lived in a hotel for a month and then I got my own apartment um he saw me walk into the hotel with this guy called my cell phone my whole fucking body went into like this fight or flight response because he's like, I saw you walk in there with so-and-so. I'm outside in the fucking car. You better fucking come down here.
1: Which is interesting because that's the response you were technically chasing by Mm -hmm. going into all of these different Mm -hmm. experiences with other men.
2: Yeah. And then finally, I lost so much respect for my ex, for my husband because I continuously lied to him and cheated on him. And he would ask me about it and I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he'd be like, okay. Yeah. And I was like, bro. You want so, it to be claimed. Yeah, I want it to be claimed. And so he said, give me your fucking wedding ring. We're done. And I handed my wedding ring over to him like it was a fucking Cracker Jack prize. I gave it to him. I walked back into the hotel and I still, so I've done a lot of healing around this to get to where there's no charge for me to talk about this, but I can still see that scene in my mind in the way that he, my ex-husband, I literally shattered his whole entire fucking life in that moment. And it's heartbreaking. Sure. the pa- I caused, you know, the pain that I brought forth into that relationship because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing And I just, I walked, I walked away and it, and even then it didn't end. We went around for another year in circles of trying to make it work. And he just.
0: Neither one of you could fully let it go. We
2: couldn't, we couldn't let it go until it just. The decision got to be made that we were getting a divorce. And that's when I moved to California and it was. One of the hardest things that I've ever been through and also like the best decision I ever made in my fucking entire life. Mm.
1: And I imagine, you know, that same feeling of aliveness Mm -hmm. that you are experiencing in the affairs. Mm -hmm. You then got to experience because you took your power back. Mm -hmm. Yes. You uh, were able to just access this part of you that was empowered and alive and embodied in a different way. And it's invigorating and also terrifying and, Um, but you started to do it in a way that was different than having to leave marriage.
0: Totally. A few weeks ago, Brynn and I broke down the popular Netflix series, Sex Life, on the podcast. And without going too much into it, the premise of the show is that the main character, Billy, is trying to figure out if she can have it all in her relationship. She wants the safety and security of a loving marriage while also feeling novelty, passion, and desire in her sex life. The show, and society for that matter, paints the picture that you can't have both and that you must in fact choose what is more important to you. And to that, I say bullshit. I'm literally in the business of helping all of you have it all. You don't have to choose between love and desire. And we, Sex and Love Co. and I, really believe that. You, my love, get to have whatever flavor of sex, love, and relationship feels best for you. So whether it's a voice in your head or a fictional TV series telling you that you have to settle, I'm here to tell you that you fucking don't. My team, Sex and Love Co. and I is fired up and ready to support you in building the sex and love life you have always dreamed of and desired when working with one of my coaches will support you in diving deep into your sexual exploration, getting clear on your desires, building your confidence both in and out of the bedroom and learning how to communicate all of this in a safe, effective, and healthy way. If that feels like something you're being called to do, this is your personal invitation to fill out an application to work with us. Once you do that, you'll jump on a connection call with one of my coaches Ideally, the perfect coach for you so that they can learn a bit more about you and your goals. If you're ready to claim an epic sex life and deeply fulfilling relationships, then we can't wait to work with you. Head to the show notes or visit www.thatsexchick.com forward slash work dash with dash me to apply.
1: So what did this next chapter look like for you? Because you you went through some really dark times mm-hmm. and you started to also come online, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you saw the parts of yourself that were super suppressed. Um, and I imagine too, because part of the work that you do and the work that you help women with is getting back into the body. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that during this time and period of your life where you were with your ex-husband, but you were sleeping around and lying about it, that there were
0: physical symptoms that started mm-hmm. to manifest.
1: Oh Yeah. Yeah.
2: I was holding on to so much anger and resentment and grief and sadness. Um. I, I struggled with severe, when I say severe, like debilitating, like I can't move for a week, back pain mm. for years, years and fucking years. Um. And there was such a sense of freedom after I left that marriage. Because I could finally rediscover who I am, what I want, um, and get back in touch with just coming home to my body and coming home to myself and my desires and my pleasure.
1: Did your back pain disappear when you left? So it
2: didn't fully disappear, but as I started to do a lot of emotional and somatic work, it started to disappear. And I was like, what the fuck? Mm. I held so much in my body, so much in like in the pain body.
1: Makes sense too. You're, this was lower back pain. So feeling unsupported. Unsupported. Yeah. yeah totally you were carrying yourself and your partner mm-hmm. and carrying the weight of secrets,
2: right? Oh my God. That, yeah. The weight of the secrets tormented,
1: I had, tormented me a year and a half of the worst pelvic pain I'd ever had in the middle of my marriage when we were essentially sexless Mm -hmm. and I was completely emotionally and sexually suppressed. Mm -hmm. And then I look back and I'm like, fucking duh. Yeah. So, you know, in those moments you don't recognize, I, I didn't recognize, and I know you didn't recognize that this was so connected to emotional work. Yeah. Um, but, Fast forward, you start doing, like you said, emotional healing mm-hmm. and somatic healing. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to talk a little bit about you unpacking all of the stories and the things that um, kept you in that somewhat toxic cycle right? Mm-hmm. of cheating and also chasing unavailable men. Mm-hmm. And um, how did that start to shift for you?
2: Hmm. Oh, where do I want to go with it? There's a lot. There's, there's so many layers there. Um Because I lived my entire life with having really poor examples of what love is and what a healthy love is, I didn't even know it was available to me um so yeah, I started to do a lot of like emotional emotional and somatic work, inner child work, a lot of um you know I worked with spiritual life coaches I started um experimenting experimenting with psychedelics and doing retreats and really getting into that space of healing. I mean, that's how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a huge transformational timeframe in my life of really unpacking, why am I like this? <laughs> why do I do these things it's
1: A powerful place to be?
2: Yeah. It's, 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 a it was a very powerful and empowering place. And also like to have, to get to look inward in yourself and actually look at no one wants to admit the, the shadows, the darkness, like the demons that live within us, taking a look at those is fucking scary and it's also really freeing and empowering once I started to do that and understand like okay it's my it's it's not my fault of what happened to me like you know my my parent my parental relationships and things that I went through with my parents it is now my responsibility to heal that because otherwise I'm gonna keep causing havoc not only in my own life but anyone that I get into a romantic partnership with I'm gonna cause a fucking shit show Mm -hmm. I had no business trying to be in a relationship (laughs) doing the things that I was doing um what I came to learn about myself was that all of those actions came from a deep sense of unworthiness and like self-hatred and that, I mean, that's a whole nother thing of like where, where the self-hatred came in with how I treated my body, but I never felt, it was like, I'm either too much and on the flip side of that, that also means like, I'm not good enough, which is like a weird dichotomy. Yeah. yeah. Um. But true for a lot of people. Totally true.
0: A lot of women specifically.
2: Yeah. So I never felt like I don't deserve this. I don't deserve a healthy love. I'm not worthy of this. All of these actions are showing me that like, I don't get to have these things because these are what I have known. Yeah. And then this, the huge like acceptance piece. I did a lot of forgiveness work to myself. Yeah. To myself. It's not, oh, I have to forgive my dad. I have to forgive my ex-boyfriend. Yes. And the forgiveness piece with myself was
0: massive.
2: massive.
1: It's funny because, you know, I think a lot of people, when they work with a sex coach, they think we're going to hand you a vibrator. We're going to stick you with a bottle of lube. We're going to say, try this type of cervical orgasm and this type of clitoral orgasm. And um, here's a kink checklist for you to go through forgiveness work that you're talking about it's foundational it is to making room for pleasure oh my god huge
2: because when i when i i was so disconnected from everything about me my body my intuition my pleasure because i was so athletic i've always been athletic i was doing crossfit at the time like CrossFit has been a huge part of my spiritual journey that we can go into a little bit. Um, I was so, I was like, I'm a fucking athlete. I train, I do this, I do that. I count my macros. I'm connected to my body. Mm -hmm. And it was so far from the truth. I was so disillusioned about what embodiment actually looked and felt like and what it meant to be in my body because I lived in my head, in my analytical, logical, thinking, overthinking, anxious mind, that reconnecting to my body and my intuition, that has been my journey. And that piece has changed my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to Feel safe in my body is something I never even knew that I didn't have access to until I had access to it. Totally. Like, what does that even mean?
1: What? Yeah. 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 So
2: powerful. It's so powerful. So now being able to tap into that and feeling that safety, a huge piece of why my chronic debilitating pain went away is because I started to be able to access the piece of feeling safe within my own body, not having to leave it cause it pain I literally tortured my my poor body mm-hmm. I thank her every day for keeping me alive because some of the shit that I did to myself I'm like how how did I not die how did I not
1: die human bodies are resilient <laughs> yeah so resilient. so resilient and it's beautiful that you're talking about I think some of the most foundational pieces of sexual development mm-hmm. creating safety mm-hmm. and making space for pleasure by mm-hmm. forgiving people in your life including yourself. Oh, for sure. And we ho- we as women,
2: we hold so much old trauma and emotion in the those power centers in the root, in the sacral, in our pussy, in our pelvis. Yep. Forgiving ourselves for what we've allowed in the past? Yeah, we can forgive Men, we can forgive other people, but we're the we're the access points to our own bodies. Yeah. So, like, hi, if I don't forgive myself for allowing this man to be inside of me when I didn't want him to, it's not his fucking fault. I said yes when I was a no. Um, and aside from that, like there are so many times where I've had to forgive myself for getting into like a relationship or a sexual experience with somebody that my body was a no to but also forgiving myself for the way that I treated myself. And that stemmed from deep self-loathing and self-hatred. Yeah.
1: So how did you start to cultivate then? It sounds like you stepped into some forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You did some somatic work. Um, you were doing emotional releasing and getting learning how to get safe in your body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When did that... Um, How did all of those things start to translate into your sexual development?
2: Hmm. Hmm. I started to really, the way that I moved changed. The way that I wanted to experience sex changed. Like, yeah, there are a lot of pieces that are still there. Like, I want somebody to fuck me like an animal and throw me up against the wall. And that's great. Yes, please. And there's a huge, um, energetic and sensual piece to like what I want to experience now. Um how I moved completely changed. I went from CrossFit, like put me in any CrossFit gym, I know what to do with a barbell. And I felt comfortable there. I started dancing. Mm. And that pushed a whole nother edge. Dance has been a huge part of my not only my healing journey with my body but also my femininity. Yeah. So talk about being disconnected like I was disconnected from my body and I was also disconnected from my true feminine nature and from my cycle too. Like I cursed every time that I would bleed. Um I was just literally disconnected from every aspect of my being. Yeah. So coming back into that pole dancing exotic dance, like floor dancing. I started to touch my body. I just started to touch my body, like yeah. full stop. I started to touch my body. Um, I was taught that masturbation was shameful and had to be hidden. And I also had major, major body image issues from a young kid. Like I struggled with active bulimia for 12 years. Um, I hated my body. I didn't want to look at it, let alone fucking touch myself. I was disgusted by myself. So for me to even put a hand on a part of my body and let it feel good was foreign. So fucking powerful. Yeah. So I started to just touch myself and not even in sexual ways, because I've always been super sexual. I've started masturbating when I was like in kindergarten. Okay. Yeah. Let's just be honest.
1: That's common.
2: Yeah. But as an adult, as an adult woman, I would masturbate, but I liken it to like just like a teenage boy trying to fucking jerk off into a sock mm-hmm. and like get it done. Yeah. So I, when I started to reconnect and reclaim that part of me, I made it a ritual. And it's a ritual that I do many times over the course of a week. And even just touching my body in a very non-sexual way, just feeling what does my body feel like and what feels good to it? Like, oh, I never noticed that like crease in my knee, like literally running my fingers through my own hair feels so delicious. Mm -hmm. And just practicing sensual embodiment exercises where there's nothing Like there's no sex involved. I'm just feeling what my body feels like. I'm putting my hands on parts of my body that I used to like look at and be disgusted with and wish that like that wasn't there. Um, Powerful. Yeah. And that's just created such a beautiful ritual and a beautiful experience to be with myself. Um, And then... Yeah, some days I just want to have a fucking orgasm because it feels good. Yeah. I mean, it always feels good. Yeah. And there are other days where I will take time with a yoni egg, a crystal wand. The crystal wands have been one of the most healing pieces of like. Sacred ritual, mm. and I remember the first time you were the one that turned me on to crystal wands. <laughs> yeah, and I remember wondering th- Yeah, for the first time. yeah, and I'm like, wait, you this goes inside my pussy? <laughs> wait, what? No way! Yeah. And you're like, yeah, just do it. Yeah. Like just stick <laughs> just it up do there. it. Just stick it up there. And so starting to play with that and like the different, um, different stones, different crystals, like the rose quartz and the obsidian. They all have different properties and I have when I first started using the rose quartz wands I would fucking sob every time and I was using it in a meditative state and these are for solo practice only they're they're not sex toys these are like I'm connecting with my pussy with my womb womb yeah it is 100% sacred I would let the wand sit inside me and put a hand on my heart or on my breast or like one hand on my heart, one hand like around my womb space. And I would sob, sob and think of all of the times that I neglected myself, that I abused myself, that I let a man be in that sacred space that I didn't want there. So many, so many, like a lot. (laughs) Yeah, same. Um, and just going through like this major forgiveness process of, I'm, I'm sorry that I treated you this way and I'm sorry that I allowed others to treat you this way. And really coming to peace and acceptance with that and knowing even that all of the decisions that I have made in the past that someone might look at me today and be like, how could you fucking do that? I mean, I have family members who now I have shared with some details about how my marriage really ended. Will like throw that back in my face, like, "Are oh, you fucking cheat? You did blah blah blah." I'm like, mm. but that's you're projecting your own yeah. shame on me. I've I've done the work to move through, um, and I wouldn't change any of it because. That's my story. That's part of my journey and how I got to where I am and who I am today. Who knows if that those experience hadn't occurred, where you know who I would be, but just back to like the connection to myself, um yeah, creating sacred ritual, moving my body in more intuitive ways instead of training for three hours at the gym to cause myself physical pain. Yeah. All I wanted to do was inflict the most pain mm-hmm. as I possibly could on myself mm-hmm. in so many ways. Um, when I stopped, I chose to leave CrossFit, which is like a whole identity fuck in and of itself. Yeah. When I mean, you know. Yeah, based on a CrossFit. Team. Yeah. I left CrossFit. Um, my entire life changed when that happened. And I started moving in more intuitive ways. That brought me to pole dancing. Um, that has connected me to a piece of my sexual power that it didn't even know existed. Mm. Nothing turns me on more and makes me feel more fucking sexy than putting on a pair of six inch heels like fishnets and going and twerking and shaking my ass and dancing on a fucking pole for an hour.
1: Y'all need to check out her Instagram. (laughs) This woman posts the sexiest (laughs) Like most delicious, slutastic. Oh, slutastic! They're so so good, and I just love listening. There's, I got it, like a thousand pieces mm-hmm. of that journey that I want to touch on, mm-hmm. but I'll try to summarize. So, okay. what I loved that you touched on specifically was, I think everything in that last share was specifically around journey from self hatred to self love, mm-hmm. and how none of this sexual empowerment would have been possible had you continued to choose your actions from a place of self-hatred you were choosing things like bulimia and and when i say choose i use that word loosely because they weren't necessarily choices this was a lot of subconscious things happening but a lot of self-destructive behaviors because the foundation was i didn't love myself and now i'm just so impressed by what you have created in your life. And I've seen your dedication to ritual because we send voxers to one another. <laughs> we're like, hey, bitch, Every day. <laughs> I just spent three hours in my bathtub sobbing and coming, coming. and like <laughs> manifesting and to go from like where you were to uh-huh. who you are today. It is just really powerful. Oh, thank you. It reminds me, and I imagine the people listening that no matter where you are at, like this self, this level of self-love, this level of self-embodiment, this level of mm-hmm. pleasure is possible for anyone. Mm-hmm. You can be acting from a place of total self-destruction, mm-hmm. and at any time, make a decision that enough is enough and it's time to change. And that's mm-hmm. what you did. Yeah. And it's not to say that it's all fucking sunshine and rainbows. Oh no. So I'd actually love to shift into okay, Mila. Oh, so my little friend geez. Jane. One of the things you'll see on Hi. Jamie's Instagram is her delicious pole dancing videos and her adorable Frenchie. But, Neela, I'm going to need you to stop tap dancing, my darling. She's just, like, walking around uh-huh. in circles.
2: Like, <laughs> Mom, Mom, what you doing, Mom? <laughs> yes. She's, like, trying to eat the cord.
1: Yes. She's, she's doing the best she can. Uh, so, one of the things I'd love to shift into last to, like, really round this out is being able to talk about what your sex and dating life looks like now. Now that you've done the work, now that, and, and I say done the work, it never ends, right? Never. I think you and I can both attest to, it is never done. You just go deeper. Um, but now that there's a stronger foundation of self-love and of pleasure and of embodiment, what is sex and dating look like now? God. Well, I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing that
2: out there. Uh-huh. If there are any thick boys <laughs> that want to... <laughs> conscious woman with a juicy ass. Uh, the juicy. I'm single. <laughs> Her,
1: I have seen it. I have grabbed it. I have bitten it. Yeah, I you I definitely have. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh.
2: It's like, uh, it's a fun place to be in. And like, we joke about our, you know, dating and the dating apps and relationships all the time. The way that I approach relationships and dating now is so different. And like, I'm so much more picky, and I get to be, you know, um, because the standards have been set really. Sounds so fucking judgmental. I settled a lot in my past, so So judgmental. Yeah, yeah. You love yourself now. I love myself to a whole nother level before, and I'm still human. I still am. I'm still human, and I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. Like there are. There have been times recently, which, you know, you know, every fucking detail of my life where there have been certain men that I've engaged with that I'm like, oh, is this another lesson? I thought it was. done. <laughs> no, no, you haven't. Mm-hmm. So here it fucking is again in your face. And how do I choose differently? Yeah. Whereas before I may have gotten into a relationship with this man and been with him for three years and hated my life. Mm-hmm. And now I just I shift and move through things much faster. Yeah. Um, I desire and would love to be in partnership and i'm enjoying like having fun and playing. Mm-hmm. I really, really am into a lot of sexual exploration mm-hmm. where I imagine I've explored and experienced more than most women, and I have Only scratch the surface of what is available and what I want to experience. Like, there's a whole world out there that I have just started dipping my toe in that I want to literally dive headfirst into. It's
1: kinky as fuck. It's
2: kinky as fuck. Like, I love exploring with women. I was exploring with this married couple a few months ago and we had some really juicy experiences. And that was, oh, that was fun as fuck. Um,
1: The threesome you never got to have when you were married.
2: The threesome I never got to have when I was married. And that was like the first real conscious threesome because I've had other ones that were just like drunken nights, let's go back and fuck. And then the the, the woman was like pissed at me because her husband was into me. I'm like, that's the whole point. You guys wanted to have sex with me and now you're fucking mad (laughs) because your husband wants to fuck me. (laughs) Like, what do you want me to do? Yes. So knowing that, going back to the like integrity piece and how I approach relationships and sexual experiences now is that communication has to be there. Communication is a huge piece to making this whole thing work and integrity. I am not going to fuck with you if you're married and you're not telling your wife. I have been approached by men who... Thought that for some reason I'd be okay with them being married and their wife not knowing. Yeah. I will call you out so fucking fast. Don't go
1: there with I me. I watched it happen. Yeah. You you closed the loop because, again, the level of self-love mm-hmm. was so great that you recognized right away also the connection to your intuition. Mm-hmm. You knew something was off, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, Jamie 10 years ago may not have even been able to pick up on mm-hmm. her. Whereas now it was like you sensed it, you picked up on it, you called him out on it Mm -hmm. and then you closed the loop. Yeah. And
2: just, I'm such a different woman that I was, I mean, six months ago, let alone five years ago, whenever I was married, but that integrity, integrity is one of my highest values. Um, I know what it's like to be cheated on and to cheat on. And I don't want any part of that in any way, shape or form. I'm not going to get involved with you if you're doing shady shit. I'm just not. I hold myself to that standard. And the decisions that I've made in the past are things that I would never choose right now. Right. Like I want to be with people that are in integrity, that know how to communicate, that yeah, if you're married and you're in an ethically non-monogamous relationship or open or poly and you want to explore, fuck yeah. yeah. You have to be at a whole nother level in your relationship to even be able to like experience that in a safe and healthy way. Not from a place of like my marriage is broken. So maybe if we fuck this third, like it'll maybe fix we'll it or something will shift. Let's that doesn't matter.
1: That'll help.
2: Oh my yeah. God, It's the worst idea ever. Yeah. No, stop doing right. that. Right. Um, so yeah, dating's, dating's fun and interesting. I've noticed, I mean, obviously we've talked about this. I've noticed a huge shift in how men, um, respond to me even just over the past few months. Yeah. Like, wow, I've had so many stories of like being unlovable or being unworthy or not being pretty enough or skinny enough or whatever that like men aren't into me. And I, I, I've been, it's been reflected to me many times by people that are friends or that I've just met or, or whoever that like, I'm so confident the way I carry myself, the way I speak, the way I'm confident in my body. Um, how can you ever, like, you're so confident. How could you ever like be, um, afraid to date or afraid to approach a man and it's like i'm still fucking human i was up to dinner with a girlfriend the other night i was telling you this i there was a waiter at the restaurant that was so hot oh my god it was so hot
1: he was so yummy and delicious guess, he was
2: um
1: with a beard tattoos and muscular how
2: did you know oh my god he was yes yes to all those (laughs) and i was like you know we made eye contact he smiled at me And he wasn't our waiter. He was like just, he was a waiter in the restaurant. And I was like, I want to give him my number. And I thought I was going to throw up. Yeah. I wrote my number down on a piece of paper and wrote him a little note. And my, like, I was like, I'm either going to puke or share (laughs) both. I need to get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so I went, I walked up to him and I gave him my number. And this, again, this is like pushing a huge edge. It's like an edge for me to do that and i gave him my number and then i literally was like we gotta go we gotta get the fuck out of here <laughs> um but it's just so funny knowing that like i can be so confident in so many ways when i'm dating and with i'm when i'm with men and something is silly i just like felt like i was a high school girl like writing a note to a boy that i liked in class yes my whole body was fucking tingling and my heart was racing i'm like oh God,
1: what if he doesn't the pussy butterflies.
2: The pussy butterflies. The and best. I'm like, what if he doesn't text me or what if he doesn't find me attractive and it's like So what? It's fine. It's fine. You will be fine. I will totally be fine. And I get to continue to practice these in myself and like play with that like play with that edge a little bit and play with that fear. Fear of rejection is real. Yeah. I don't care how fucking hot you are.
1: Totally. And you you named, you know, in the beginning of the episode, essentially starting to eroticize some of your shadows. Mm-hmm. And I think this mm-hmm. is another part of it, right? Like eroticizing being rejected, mm-hmm. right? Like finding pleasure mm-hmm. in the like high level of discomfort of mm-hmm. rejection. Like uh-huh. it's just it's it can be delicious Jackie. if you're doing
2: it yeah. intentionally. And exactly. Yeah. As long as if it's done with intention. Fucking ignore me. You want to make me wet? Ignore my texts for two months, <laughs> but watch all of my Instagram stories. That gets me turned. That gets me turned on to a whole nother level. And like, I'm joking. And yeah. you know, like,
1: it's my big. It's like a wound, but I'm like, oh. But there's a way to do that now in a relationship where you get to be actively turned Mm -hmm. on. So let's say you start dating somebody and they know that this is a kink of yours. Mm -hmm. They can um, essentially like edge you, get you right up to the brink of Mm -hmm. orgasm, leave for, like, 30 minutes, pretend they're doing something way more important right. than you, leave you just, like, dripping wet and mm-hmm. wanting more, mm-hmm. and then text you that they, like, forgot that they have to go pick something up. You know, there's, like, yes. all of these layers to it that <laughs> now that you you have the sexual development, you have the sexual education, mm-hmm. you have the foundation of love, you have the foundation of safety, mm-hmm. we get to take these things that used to ruin our lives and now find pleasure Mm -hmm. in them and I think you're beginning Mm -hmm. to
2: discover all of the ways in which you can do that totally like eroticizing our wounds yeah tie me up and leave me for 30 minutes and I'm just like laying here waiting yeah oh my god it makes me so mad and also turns me on so much yes (laughs) It's like, wait, are you coming back? Are you coming back? <laughs> come back,
1: Daddy. Come back, Daddy. Oh, come back, Daddy. Don't leave me. Jamie and I have a fun thing where we just add daddy to pretty much everything. everything. Uh-huh. Yep. So we makes everything better. Wherever we meet a guy, we just put that word and then daddy at the front of <laughs> it. So we have plant daddy, we have rope daddy, we have or, pole daddy. Yeah.
2: Anywhere we meet a guy, like if I meet a guy at a gym, gym daddy. gym daddy. I met a guy yeah. in pole class. He's pole daddy. Pole daddy. Um there's something. There's fire something, daddy. Fire daddy. Fire daddy's my favorite.
1: Part. There's so many daddies. There, are,
2: there's yeah. endless daddies. Sports daddy. Uh-huh. What other kind of daddies have we had? Many more daddies to come. Oh
1: yes. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the course we're in, we're both taking um, a feminine embodiment course mm-hmm. with John Wyland. Oh. We have John daddy. Yeah. He's we, my. John is. John. John has taught us some things. He's
2: taught us some things, and I would do anything that man told me to do. <laughs> <laughs> Any like anything. Because
1: there's there's confidence, there's presence, there's yeah. dominance. Oh yes, all of it. The things that you were originally craving in your marriage mm-hmm. that you didn't understand how to identify, mm-hmm. that you now know these are the parts of a person that I desire to crave. And the best part that this course has really taught us is How do we become the women that we desire to be that will evoke that in a conscious partner? Because here's a piece that I named conscious intentionally, because you can be the best fucking highest sexual empowered version of yourself. And if you're with the wrong person, you're not going to be able to evoke shit. But if you have somebody that you're like, fuck yeah, I choose to do this dance with you, whether that dance for six months or the rest of your life. If you are working on yourselves and you are owning your truth and your embodiment and your sexual practices and you're taking care of yourself and you're you're doing your crystal wand practices and you're having your sacred tantrums and you're going to pole dancing class, those are the parts of you that are going to bring out the best in him or her, right? Whoever you choose mm-hmm. to partner with. Yeah. And so it's been cool to witness. That I think in both of us, and I think Mm -hmm. that's really really connected us as we've been on eerily similar paths. Very eerily similar. That's
2: why I'm convinced that we shared a womb in a past lifetime, 100%. 100%. Like twins.
1: Egyptian sex priestess. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah.
2: We totally were. Isis and Mary Magdalene.
1: Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Um, Amazing. Yeah.
2: And uh, what I was going to say, add to that too is like, this is not just all about going to dance class and sticking a crystal in your pussy. <laughs> I have spent many fucking days in tears, yeah. sobbing, crying, wanting to rip my hair out, crawling around on the floor. Like rip like my soul being ripped out of my body and my heart being ripped out of my chest. Here's another kink, that's my favorite fucking part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because again, so there's so many layers to that, mm-hmm. but you're touching your own aliveness. Mm -hmm. And I talked about this several times in some of my own podcasts that when I left my marriage, the darkest, saddest, most horrific,
0: the
1: like grieving and just painful part of my life, I was so fucking alive. Mm -hmm. I was feeling, Mm -hmm. I was finally feeling. And I know for you, you having access to those deeply painful moments has given you access to the most joyful, blissful, pleasure, blissed out woman. Absolutely. Like if you meet Jamie, if you have the pleasure of meeting her in real life, like you are so embodied. When you think something is funny, you will cackle like it is mm-hmm. nobody's fucking business. But you also go to the other side of like, if you're in pain, you will touch that pain fully. And I think that is why you've been able to experience such pleasure is because yeah. you allow yourself to touch the pain as well.
2: Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head with that. And because I was numbed out for so long in so many ways, I didn't want to feel anything. I mean, that was the point of my eating disorder and my addiction to exercise and CrossFit. Um, like I wanted pain, but I didn't, I w- but I was so numb to everything. So now I have full spectrum. I am like a child where I will be laughing and giggling and like happy and then five minutes later I'm on the ground (laughs) emotionally processing something (laughs) fucking yeah (laughs) that's not not anything stupid I was gonna say but like emotionally processing something and I'm in tears and I'm crying and then I'm back it's like that's the goal that I believe is the goal to be able to touch all of the spectrum of feelings and emotions when within a day an hour like whatever within five minutes minutes. It's really beautiful, and without being able to experience, like you said, it's really it's it's going to be a real challenge to experience the depths of pleasure and happiness and joy if you if you avoid what we label as negative, like this the sadness, the angst, the darkness, the anger. I love playing in all those dark shadowy emotions, Mm -hmm. like give me fucking moody and darkness all day yeah I like stick the love and light bullshit up your fucking ass.
1: <laughs> well here's the thing is I think um you know the love and light bypass is the thing we're trying to avoid mm-hmm. right and I think you can play so well in darkness and to me darkness is like shadow it's mm-hmm. grief it's um yeah it's the things that are more taboo on the fringe mm-hmm. I think you play so well there because you you know you're not going to get stuck there. And I think that's what being able to be with all of your emotions shows you is that they always pass. You will 100% of the time get through the tough emotion that you're experiencing mm-hmm. if you feel it all the way through. If you resist it, that's when it just fucking lingers and eats away at your insides for decades. That's but if you did. touch yeah. it, you're like, oh, wait, that shit dissolved in yeah. like 10 minutes. And I remember hearing this quote once, and the first time I heard it, I was like, that is the biggest piece of fucking bullshit I've ever heard, but now I actually get it. And it is, bliss is any feeling felt all the way through. I know, it just gave me goosebumps. But I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, that's fucked. Why the hell would I feel bliss if I go deep into sadness? But if you've ever had, like, a really good cry, the kind where you're, like, staring at yourself in the mirror and you're watching yourself snot cry and, like, you're, like, doubled over and you're, like, pretty much, like, dry heaving at this Mm -hmm. point. On the other side, you're, like, oh, I feel open. Yeah. There's so much space. Tingly. Yeah. I feel, like, blissful.
2: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it's, it's so true. It's so fucking true. And sex is an access point to that. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes, it is. I will tell you that I have some of, I've had some of the most juicy, beautiful sexual experiences with like men that I feel safe and trust where I have had a full on, well, we call them crygasms. I had never had access to that before. Crying during an orgasm. Are you fucking crazy? Yeah, kill me.
1: Like what's wrong with you? Yeah. Those are the, Best. Now I'm just riding (laughs) dicks.
2: Fucking love you. I'm dead. Riding dicks, sobbing. It's true, though. Yeah. It's like the most beautiful release of emotion is to touch that bliss in an orgasm and to cry at the
1: same time. Nothing like it's so delicious. Not to mention when you're partner it's like I've got you <gasps> oh oh those words yeah yeah when, and yeah I hold you through this yeah and on the other side of it I'm going to give you another orgasm yeah someone that's imperative is to
2: have someone that can hold that when you go into that space I had a man an ex-partner um who this is a this is a discussion for another podcast perhaps <laughs> but like we had had we we've broke we've been broken up for years, but we've had sexual experiences not not really recent um but, but there after was broke up after we broke up it. for sure um we had a we had one of the most beautiful sexual experiences was where that happened he oh I had the most amazing delicious orgasm, and I started fucking laughing <laughs> sobbing <laughs> and he held me and was like, you're so beautiful. And this is one of the most beautiful things that I have ever witnessed. Like, and he just held me and I was like, who are you? What is happening? (laughs) What the fuck is happening right now? So healing. It was so healing. Also, we had an extremely toxic codependent relationship at that time before this experience. Clearly we wouldn't, We didn't have access to this experience when we were actually in a relationship. Funny, it's so funny, and it was when it was just a very healing, beautiful place to be in with him. Yes, because I felt fully surrendered and fully held, and like the sex was fucking amazing, fucking amazing. I can't that experience with like a casual encounter with somebody
1: probably not going to happen sure it can it can yeah it can I think that was something that BDSM taught me is in containers where mm. I was being taught mm-hmm. and the safety was being created intentionally mm-hmm. I was able to drop in pretty deeply with people probably. Oh, yeah. yeah um but I agree I think this is actually one of the most beautiful parts about partnership is that over time that safety gets deeper and deeper. And that does not mean that the passion dies. In Mm -hmm. fact, it means you can go deeper, Mm -hmm. go deeper into your own bliss. You can go deeper into your own emotions. You can go deeper into all sorts of kinks because the safety is so there. It allows you to actually explore and have a bigger playground to do so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Cause I think we think of, I'll take ownership. I think in the past, I have thought monogamous relationships is like where passion goes to die. Totally. And a lot of times it is, Mm -hmm. right? If we don't have the tools and resources like a sex coach. Mm -hmm. um, And it doesn't have to be because it's actually, you have a great foundation, chances Mm -hmm. are. And I also wanted to name that if you're listening to this and you're like, why the fuck can't my partner hold me in this? Or can he hold me in this? Or can she hold me in this? Or can they hold me in this? the thing is knowing that this is going to take effort and work on both sides. And so if you have broken out into tears in the middle of sex and your partner's looking at you like you have six eyes, it's probably because they just don't know what to do. But there are ways that you can start to have conversations about like, well, what did you need in that moment? Because chances are, they just didn't know. And can you have love and compassion for the person who likely wants to please you of course they do right. yes right so that's
2: men all men want to do is to make us happy they want to <laughs> win to please us
1: they want to win yeah and, um I think most people right that are in committed loving relationships they want to please their partner mm-hmm. hopefully mm-hmm. and yeah I just think that there's um there's a lot here to this conversation so much but just know that If you're wondering why this hasn't happened for you yet, first and foremost, it takes responsibility and you getting access to your own body and your own emotions. Uh, technically only you can create safety for you first. Mm -hmm. You can't outsource that shit. But then knowing also that your partner's going to have to do their inner work too. Mm -hmm. And they're going to get to meet you in this dance. And the dance might take six months. It might take a year. It might take five years. Um. But if you're committed and you want this to work, then you have to do that dance together. So, mm, yeah,
2: yeah. There, there's, gosh, there's so many like places we can go. Even from that statement of I what know. you just shared of the, in, we have, we didn't even talk about. In in a way, we did. But like going into the intimacy, and that intimacy with myself was also a huge part of the healing. Like being intimate with myself, seeing myself allows for greater intimacy with another person
1: yeah it's like you want to have it, it even goes back to your beginning relationship you wanted to be held by your man you wanted to have deeper intimacy you wanted to have passionate wild sex but at the time you weren't willing to go there with yourself oh hell no and now that you are and now that you took responsibility you're calling in and cultivating those types of relationships with people yeah so, do your inner work kids Yeah,
2: do your inner work, kids. It's fun. They said it's fun. (laughs) It's fun, they said. It's fun, they said. There will be orgasms, they (laughs) said. There will be many of there will be many orgasms. Yeah. And and again the responsibility piece is huge because if you're putting those pieces of yourself on another person and making it their responsibility, it's a great way to be codependent. Mm It's a whole nother conversation. Former recovering yeah. codependent. Here. Same. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we touched on so much good. Yeah. There's so many amazing parts of your story. Um, I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation. Me too. You're such a gem. And anyone oh. who works with you, it's fucking lucky to have thank you thank as you. their coach. Oh, you. Because you just, you've taken life. I was going to say by the horns, but you've taken life by the dick. Yeah. <laughs> you've really stepped into your own and you've really created a life that is filled with pleasure. And I see, you know, I'm going to be a judgmental pitch for a second, but you see a lot of times on Instagram, people that I think are living inauthentically, that they're pitching that they're this like pleasure business. And then you meet them in real life and you're like, bitch, I'll see dripping from all parts of you but I meet and I see you and I see like Jamie actually walks her talk Hmm. she she goes to the erotic classes she practices with her crystal wand she lets herself cry on the floor to laughing hysterically at you know in the middle of a restaurant and meeting men on field that she's excited to like explore kinky sides with and you just you're willing to put yourself out there and you're Hmm. willing to make mistakes and you're willing to fail forward and, and to also just, yeah, be, be you. And that's a long way from, it sounds like where you were many, many Mm -hmm. moons ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I love how you, yeah. Honor you. And thank you. You're so welcome. Before we close, I'd love to just ask you, is there anything else you'd like to leave us? Hmm. You really just
2: touched on what, what I was going to share is, it feels so good to just be you. It feels so good to be yourself. And and own that. And I love that oftentimes I am the permission for other women to live in that way because I do it so expressively and it took me a really long time. And again, the journey doesn't end. I'm sure I will evolve and change and shift over the next however many years I'm on this planet in this physical body. Um, but for so long, I denied and suppressed who I was at my core. And so being able to fully just be myself in all the fun and kinky, erotic, expressed ways, it just feels so good. Yeah. And I... it. Brings me so much joy when I see other women start to peel back those pieces of themselves. Mm-hmm. It is a full reclamation.
1: Yeah. It just gave me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And if you are looking to claim those parts of you, or you are looking to embrace confidence, embrace your sensuality, embrace your side, if you're looking to touch all parts of your emotions right like or away from a partnership that's not serving you Jamie's your girl Mm. so where can people find you Uh, they can find me on Instagram
2: Jamie M Wilkinson it's J-A-I-M-E-M W-I-L-K I-N S-O-N that's where they can find me um and yeah. you a coach with Sex and Love Co. And I'm Co. a coach with Sex and Love Co. So absolutely, if you're interested, um, we can share links. or there's links on, um, there's a link tree on my Instagram page and on Alexa's page to fill out an application. And yeah, you can find me through there. And I, God, I love being a part of this team. It's, yeah, it's been so fun and so amazing. And there's access to so much more like fun community and like, so much. So yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful for you and for Alexa and Jordan and just being part of the team. Mm-hmm. It's been. Yeah. It's like that puzzle piece. That's like locked into place now. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. well, We thank love you. you. And
1: thank we're you. so glad you're here. Mm-hmm. And thank
0: you. Show. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.